Hello, hello. My name is Dr. Rachel Gainsborough, and I am obsessed with all things short-term rentals, revenue streams, and helping you navigate your career, real estate, and your busiest and most wonderful seasons of life. I'm an immigrant, a pharmacist, a wife, and a mom who took one guest room rental and turned it into a multi-property seven-figure real estate business, which has also landed us on TV. I'll teach you the real secrets and everything you need to build a short-term rental business that you love. I discuss the hard topics, mistakes I've made, and the mistakes others have made so you don't have to make them for yourself. Financing, automations, acquisitions, low occupancy, scaling, and building your team all while balancing your life are all subjects to be discussed here. Consider me that one best friend you can come to with your short-term rental business questions. So grab your coffee, get comfortable as you get ready to learn and grow with me. This is the Luxury Short-Term Rental Doctor podcast. Well, hello there, everyone. I am coming at you tonight with a teaching. So this is really based on us doing our numbers and rounding it out. Let me share with you guys some of the levers that we pulled and where we saw the greatest margins and the greatest profitability in terms of the different levers that you can pull in your business. So I would say that there are three levers tonight that we pulled that has helped us find the most amount of profitability. We found more than six figures worth of extra revenue by really focusing on these three levers. And so there are many, many ways to definitely position your short-term rental. There are many things involved in it, but not all the things are gonna have the biggest impact. So this is taking into consideration, you have your cleaning team down, you have all the things set up, but the three levers that really made the difference and moved the needle, that's what I wanna share with you. So let's go ahead and jump right in. As you know, we have a boutique luxury short-term rental business where we own as well as arbitrage and we manage for others. And so at this point, I've shared this with you, 22 properties owned, managed, and arbitrage um, have had over 3,000 guests uh, stay with us with five-star review, gross revenue, 3.1 million. Um, but what I want to share with you is the fact that it's possible, even working full-time, even working a W-2. And I want to kind of focus on the levers that we pull. And so this is one of my uh, mantras for this year. So consistent revenue growth is determined by your commitment to repeat and refine. So pretty much uh, what we do is whenever we launch a new property, we kind of repeat the process we refine the process, and that's really where we're getting our most revenue. So again, the 80-20 rule, many of you may have seen this, the buckets of life. So 80% of our results, 80% of our revenue has come from just 20% of our action. So what that means is instead of the 80% actually providing 80% of results, 80% of our results are coming from 20% of our actions. So it's going to be really important to focus your actions on the 20% that's going to move the needle, not necessarily doing all the things in your rentals. For those of you who already have rentals or doing all of these in your acquisition process, for those of you who are in sourcing season or acquisition mode, okay, you're going to have to figure out what's the 20%. What is the 20% that is going to make the biggest impact? to get you your results. 
And that's the 20% that you need to focus on. And what's great about it is 20% is not a lot, so to speak, compared to the 80%. So it's not a lot of tweaking you may need to do in order to get the result that you're looking for. So keep that in mind. So with that being said, I challenge each and every one of you, what is your 90-day short-term rental goal? And I want it to be something that is kind of outside of your comfort zone, something that kind of pushes you to the edge a little bit, give you a little bit of that encouragement and excitement. Because if your goal is boring, um, you're not going to be excited enough about it to make that difference, right? So what is your goal? Are you in acquisition season? Are you looking to save up for a down payment? Are you looking to arbitrage? Well, how many landlords have you spoken to? Are you looking um, to uh, find your furnishings? Well, how much are you saving every month or every week? Is it 15%? So what is that 90-day goal? And what are the steps you're taking to achieve that goal? What is the next obvious step? So if you tell me, your goal is to improve your credit, for instance, in order to uh, get approved for a $375,000 loan. Well, improve your credit to what score and what would that take? You know, do you have to pay off certain credit cards? Do you have to pay off a bill that's lingering? And so what is the next obvious step? So the next obvious step may be you may need to find out what your credit score is. You may not know what it is. Right. So take the next obvious step and then take the next and then take the next to reach your 90 day goal. So just wanted to give that um, bit of a pep talk slash encouragement. OK, so going back to our original talk in terms of the 80 20 rule. So as a busy professional, I am all in on the 80 20 rule, especially in my real estate investors. So the reason I believe in it is that number one. The 80-20 rule helps me to be strategic, right? So I don't have to do all the things. I need to be strategic. I need to get laser focused on my 20%, okay? So I'm totally all in on the 80-20 rule. It helps me not get too exhausted with too many ideas, too many initiatives, okay? Because initially, when I first started with real estate investing, I was looking at all the things, right? I wanted to wholesale. I wanted to be a fix and flipper. I wanted to do syndications. I wanted to buy multifamily. I wanted a long-term landlord. I wanted to buy storage facilities, right? And I kid you not, I'm that girl that has the shiny object syndrome. I'm looking everywhere. But when I got really laser focused, I did my numbers and I found luxury short-term rentals. And the fact that it drastically accelerated our uh, financial freedom plan, I just stuck to it. I stuck to it and I kid you not, it has served me well, okay? So with the 80-20 rule, you do not have to be a jack of all trades. You do not have to dilute your gifts. And uh, one of my goals for this year was to read a number of books. And so one of the books I just uh, finished reading again and it's a really quick read. It was so good. Who, not how you can actually um, pay for your jack of all trades. You can pay for other people's talent. You know, the thing that really is holding you back from moving forward, the thing that you're supposed to be doing, you're procrastinating from. Uh, what I read in this book, and I love this, is procrastination is wisdom. Okay, cool now how by Dan Sullivan. I love it. Procrastination is wisdom. And the reason you're dragging your feet sometimes is because there's someone else 
get it equipped to get the job done, right? And so I kid you not, there are some people that help us on my team and they're so much better at doing whatever the task is than I ever could be. And so I am so grateful for my who's in our business. And so that means I don't have to be the jack of all trades. Someone else can pick up on some of that. And then I can continue to stay in my lane, stay in my gifts, stay in my creativity. And guess what? Whatever that task was that I was dreading, well, that's their creativity. So I absolutely, absolutely love that. And so when I am focused on the 80-20 rule, I know when I can really go all in, okay? And then I know where I have pockets of rest. And one of my mentors um, explained this to me. It's like pockets of rest for B plus work. So I used to be a straight A student. I am very type A. Pharmacist by day. So you already know that that type A-ness is there. However, B plus work is sometimes appropriate, right? There, and this is, I'm not saying that everything else, because when I share with you my three levers, I'm not saying that everything else, you know, you're going to completely ignore. What I'm saying is everything else you can, you know, kind of do B plus work because your A game needs to be reserved for your lovers. So definitely um, you can find pockets of rest in your processes for B plus work when it comes to your short-term rental investing and uh, management, okay? So with that being said, I present you my three levers, okay? And these are the three levers that have completely moved the needle for us in our business, meaning out of everything that we're doing, these are the ones that we have seen the greatest uh, revenue and the greatest gross profit coming from these levers when we analyze uh, our business for the end of 2021. So I'm going to share with you my three levers. Number one is getting to know and understand your ideal guest avatar, because there's a whole marketing strategy behind that. Number two is your pre-acquisition strategy. Okay. And number three is dynamic pricing strategy. And I'm going to break that down for you guys in a moment. So if I were to sum it all up, these are your three levers, ideal guest avatar, pre-acquisition strategy, and your dynamic pricing strategy. And before I go further, again, this doesn't mean the guest communication, the cleaning team, building your virtual assistants, all of that doesn't get, you know, your energy. But what I'm saying is reserve your best energy and your deepest focus at all times for these three levers. This gets your A work for sure. Everything else can get your B pulse work. So I hope that's helpful. So first let's talk a little bit about your ideal guest avatar. And so your ideal guest avatar, I want you to walk a mile in your shoes. When you are a short-term rental investor, when you're a short-term rental host, when you have your property set up, one of the first exercises we do in our mentorship is figuring out who it is that you want to host, who it is that you want to serve, who's going to be your ideal guest avatar. So I want to share with you a concept of the invisible bridge, right? So how do we get this guest to go from point A to point B? And point A being, well, I don't know you, there's a million properties on Airbnb. Why should I book your property versus the other million? How do we get them from, I don't know you, to actually clicking to book? 
right? And so the way we do that is we really get to understand and know who they are. And part of the exercise we do in the first module is to really identify, to walk a mile in their shoes, to figure out what their pain points are and to meet them at the pain point so that at the end, they will ultimately say, I want and need this experience that you are promising me. Okay. So some of our ideal guests, we love to serve multi-generational, multi-families, meaning grandma, grandpa with the adult siblings and their children. And we are pet friendly. That is our ideal guest avatar. And so we have gotten really laser focused on that guest avatar and we serve them to the capacity where when they see our listing, they want to understand, hey, where else do you have properties? Because they know that they're going to be taken care of, okay? We design our properties with them in mind so that when they see our properties, they stop the scroll, okay? When they see our properties, they recognize, wow, you see me because that's what the, my goal is. As they're scrolling, they see my property, they see the pictures, they see that we have all of the amenities they were, would ask for, especially families travel with small children, you know, um, the high chair, the stroller, all of that in picture form. And then the copywriting or the descriptions are all listed nice and clear to the point that there's, they see me saying, I see you, I know you, I have what you need. And although a lot of people may think that's woo-woo, but guess what? At that point, when they recognize that you have all the things they need, you've got them covered, they're willing to pay, okay? They're willing to pay the price to go to your property specifically because they're going to trust that you have the experience and you have the things that they need, you've got them covered. Whereas they can pay a little bit less because we're usually at the top of our market in all of our markets. They can pay less, but they're risking it, right? They're risking it. And so really understanding our guests, really understanding their needs through our research, through our experience with them, knowing what they're going to ask for and having that available ahead of time has been the game changer and they're willing to pay for it. Again, more about your ideal guest avatar. So I have some individuals who are looking for unique experiences. Okay, we don't have a lot of units with unique experience. We do just have one that's a pseudo unique experience. But if that is your ideal guest, the, the influencer that is looking for eco agricultural travel. But what if your ideal guest avatar is the traveling professional, that professional that is looking for a place to stay for two months or three months? So that guest is going to be a little bit different in terms of their needs. They're looking for rest and respite and productivity. So making sure that the place is set up for that is going to be key, but you have to study and you have to understand your ideal guest avatar in order to make that um, decision and in order to attract that guest. So I have someone who brings um, me different deals and they show up with, you know, a, a high rise condo in the city, which is great, but you know what, that deal I'm going to hand over to my friend whose ideal guests are single guys or single gals, backpacking, traveling, wanting to be in the thick of it. And, you know, and all they want is a studio because that's who they want to serve. Well, me, I usually <laughs> have a whole entourage and I'm my ideal guest avatar, by the way, who are traveling with a huge family, multi-generation of 13, 14, 15, 16. That's not going to fit in a high-rise studio in the, in the middle of the city, right? 
So I'm more of the rule girl off the beaten path. I am looking for those types of properties that's going to have a little bit more land, a backyard so that the pets can play and the kids can play outside. That is more so of my guest avatar. Um, there are others whose ideal guests are uh, executives, right? Executives traveling to the area. We've had guests who are um, the insurance crowd. So we we do a lot of B2B business with the insurance companies. And that has worked out really, really well for us. Also, because a lot of those guests are multifamilies or larger families who are displaced, unfortunately, from their home due to either a natural disaster or, you know, some type of uh, major repair, catastrophic repair needed to the house, house caught on fire. We're hosting a guest right now whose house caught on fire. So definitely, definitely something to understand, understanding your guest avatar and uh, being prepared to serve that guest avatar in all aspects in terms of their accommodations. It's going to be key. All right. So next, you will hear me beat this drum. Okay, and dare I say it, I will be this drum till the day I die in terms of my investment strategy, which is how do I own and operate the fewest number of properties that generates the highest profitability? I dare I say it again, how do I own and operate the fewest number of properties that generate the highest profitability? And the reason I arrived there was simply because I did go in thinking I was going to be that girl that um, has all the doors. I'm looking to get all the doors. And I quickly realized that the level of effort to manage the doors and the level of revenue that would be coming in as a mom with a whole husband with my healthcare, um, you know, job that I worked so hard for to get a doctor. So I'm working full time. Just how do I manage so many doors? And so for me, it was very important to be strategic about the investment strategy that we use. And short-term rentals, again, accelerated our revenue. And so I went that route. But then when I went into the luxury short-term rentals, that really changed things, okay? So our acquisition strategy, our pre-acquisition strategy, when we're looking at properties within our budget, you know, everyone's budget is going to be different, but when we're looking at properties, we are looking for properties that are towards the luxury side of things. And of course there is standard, there's budget, there's upscales, there's luxury, there's ultra luxury. I haven't delved yet into the ultra luxury. I just stick to the luxury and there's a big difference. So when we're looking at those types of properties, we want properties, and this is based on reshuffling our portfolio and changing things up. We want properties that are going to be a little bit on the newer side or recently renovated side. We want properties that uh, we can add new appliances to or already has new appliances, properties that are well-maintained. If there's an additional unit or a casita, those are the properties that when we looked and analyze our portfolio over the last year. Those are the properties that perform the absolute best. They blew everything out of the water. So the pre-acquisition strategy, we've gone over knowing your numbers, doing your calculations, knowing your regulations, really important to do your uh, calculations and to understand your regulations. But then some of the attributes, some of the rules of thumb 
We're seeing that guests are wanting properties that are towards the luxury side of things and they're willing to pay for it. And guests are wanting properties that are towards the newer and recently renovated side of things, okay? So again, giving you the levers, lever number two, that pre-acquisition strategy, just being a little bit more specific about what it is that you're trying to achieve with that property. And this is a lever that really moved the, the needles for us. So again, in review, ideal guest avatar. And your second is the pre-acquisition strategy. All right, so with that being said, Again, um, I have shared this with you guys a few times. Um, the article that we have published on Bigger Pockets, the 15 short-term rental tips that won't break the bank. Uh, the most search for amenities in short-term rentals, the most search for amenities and implementing some of that into your property is a great way to be strategic. Again, we're not going to do 80% of the things. We're going to do 20% of things because we need rest. Guys. My goal is to rest more, is to do less, is to, and I, I made, I'm announcing it to people. I'm doing less this year. I'm doing less. And so just know this, and I hope the same for you too, that you're doing less, but not being busy, being strategic, right? I want to work on the things that are going to move the needle for me, but not necessarily all that busy work that you know, I know a lot of us we do still have to do, but I want to focus more on the places that move the needle. So looking at reports such as what are the top amenities people are searching for within a certain market? Is market driven, market specific? That's going to be key to moving the needle because then your property is going to um, appear the most in search. Your property is going to go to the top. It's going to continue to stay booked and you can drive your occupancy, you can drive your revenue. So, kind of repositioning it that way. Okay. And another soapbox convenience is the ultimate luxury, right? When it comes to modern luxury versus traditional luxury. Traditional luxury is the accumulation of things, but modern luxury is the accumulation of experiences. It's the accumulation of connecting with the things and the people you care and love. So if you want to connect with nature, if you want to connect with your family or reconnect with family, that is the definition of modern luxury. It is different. Ever since the Industrial Re Revolution, the definition of luxury has changed. You know, you and I, we can order something on Amazon. It'll be here. You know, transportation is not, you know, a big issue. I do know that we're struggling with some supply chain things right now. But in general, the accumulation of things is not the definition of luxury. Matter of fact, a lot of the properties, we like it to almost have a, a light, airy, almost a minimalistic feel to it. Clutter is a no-go, okay? So luxury travel is a big deal. And again, convenience, convenience, convenience. Easy check-in, right? Keyless entry, um, a king-size bed. These are the things in terms of when we're talking about luxury travel. The default luxury travel bed is a king-size bed, king bed, okay? So I'm not going to, I digress. Not going to go too deep into it, but definitely the um, pre-acquisition strategy uh, when I'm acquiring the property, that strategy has moved the needle for us the most compared to all of the other levers. All right. So guys, this is the third and final lever, the dynamic pricing strategy. If you do not use a dynamic pricing strategy on your properties, 
if you're not using one right now, you are leaving a lot of money on the table. And you've heard me say this before. And so um, being somewhat of a mathematician, I was definitely manually pricing my properties. And man, did I think I was doing a fantastic job of it, right? But in my research and my studies, I realized, you know what, I do need something to help with the revenue management. I do need some kind of algorithm to help out because I felt as though there were events that were going on in the area that I didn't necessarily uh, know about until it was too late. And so one day I put in the pricing tool and this is a property. This is one of the higher end properties that I had listed for a 30 day or a 30 night stay, I had it at the 10K rate. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so high. I'm a budget girl, okay? From the poorest country of the Western Hemisphere, I'm from Haiti. So 10,000 for the 39th day, I thought that was outrageous. But I had it listed. That was a, that's a nice round number. That's lucrative enough. And this is a property, the mortgage was about 3,100 3, or $3,030, something not too um, low. But 10000 I was like, wow, that's great. Well, I turned on the pricing tool. And I kid you not, the pricing tool updated that property to 28 k for the month. And my first reaction was, oh, something's wrong with this pricing tool. It's broken. Within minutes, the property got booked at that rate. And that is the property that I um, mentioned a little bit earlier that was featured on the Netflix TV show. And so I, I just... I, I haven't looked back since. And this is something that I speak to as many people as possible because it is just so hard to believe, right? It's incredible that that occurred, but the demand was there for that time period. It is an executive type home uh, booked by film directors, uh, executives, insurance company. And so definitely something within their budget, but it's not a number per se that, I would have ever thought about in my wildest dreams, but the artificial intelligence that was a part of the pricing tool knew that that property could demand that revenue amount. And so it went ahead and updated the pricing and it listed it. And so for me, if I were to put these in order of impact, the dynamic pricing strategy would be number one. Like that has been able to help us to find, I would say, over $250,000 in our business that we otherwise would not have known about um, in the last year or so. So multiple six figures with the dynamic pricing too, I highly recommend when you launch your short-term rentals, for those of you who are just getting started, or if you already have a short-term rental, definitely, definitely, definitely tap in with the dynamic pricing tool. There are three of them out there that is the most popular and uh, a new one as well that has just hit the market. So beyond pricing, price labs and wheelhouse are the three that are the ones that were um, on market for a while. And the newest one is Bowie. And so Tim Spiker, he is here, a part of the group with Bowie. So definitely, definitely, definitely dynamic pricing tool is a game changer. So Leah, how do I get my guests to leave me reviews? To get your guests to leave reviews, you kind of got to ask for it, right? 
So there is a way to politely ask for a review and I ask for reviews throughout their stay. So I have a framework called my roll out the red carpet, five-star guest review framework. <laughs> and so throughout their stay, I am inconspicuously, I would say, asking for a review. So when they come in, I have, you know, their check-in instructions that are getting messaged uh, to them through the portal. Then after they check in the next day, uh, I do ask them, how is everything pretty much? And I've got it all laid out. So how's everything? I hope everything is um, in line with your five-star stay. So you kind of plant the seed. Uh, and pretty much if not, let me know right away because I don't want anyone in the property stewing that, oh my gosh, they only left two towels and there's five of us. You know, mistakes like that can happen. So I need to know right away, did they not have the things they needed? Was there some kind of service um, gap? Was there a cleaning gap, right? So I, I have really great cleaning team, but what if they have an off day, right? It's not gonna be perfect every day. So I tell them that my cleaning team is wonderful, but they may miss things every now and then. So let me know how's it looking there, right? That kind of thing. And so of course, prior, I have my, SOPs, center operating procedures in place. So I know what the place looks like. So if they come in and they say, it's totally trash. Well, I have a record. It's not totally trash. It's, you know, and that hasn't happened to me yet, but I've heard of the horror stories. So, you know, you would ask for things like pictures. So I hope you have a five-star seat. The day before checkout, I hope you had a five-star seat. You kind of plant the seed and then um, you let them know. We're in, uh, you know, we're a small family B and B, that kind of thing. We would really appreciate um, a review from you uh, as we're growing our business. It really helps us out a lot. But before asking for the review, I do ask for some feedback. So let us know how we can improve that kind of thing, and we would really appreciate a review. And so that does two things: that mitigates them from leaving a bad review. If there's something they need to air out, they have the opportunity to air it out right then and there. And then during the review, hopefully they leave a great review. So there are a few more things that I add that, I, that I'm probably not going to be able to uh, discuss in this 30-minute live, but there are a few more things that I do. But I do I do ask for a review. And there's a social currency associated with it. Remember, short-term rentals, Airbnb in particular, and verbal, it's a reciprocal review process, right? So they need to be on their best behavior, and I need to be on my best behavior, too. So knowing that, you know, you can even leverage, hey, you know, I really hope you had a great day. Thanks for taking care of the space. I left you a great review, you know? So looking forward to getting a review from you too. So I hope that helps a little bit. I know that's not an exact response, but I hope it helps. All right, Elizabeth, great question. So what is a channel manager? So a channel manager is a software that pretty much keeps the calendar in sync in your short-term rental business. So for example, if someone books the 4th of July at property A via Airbnb, and then someone else wants to book the 4th of July at that signed property via verbal, right? The channel manager sorts it out and blocks the calendar so that 
the verbal booking is it's not even going to be visible. Okay. So that's the goal of the challenge. One of the main, the primary goals of the channel manager is to make sure that if you list your property on multiple OTAs, that's multiple online travel agencies, such as Airbnb, Verbo, and Booking.com, those three, those are online travel agencies. Those are OTAs. So if, in fact, you're booking your property on multiple OTAs, which is highly recommended, right? Diversification is key. Well, how are you going to know or how are you going to remember or how are you going to manage blocking the calendar on Verbo and say, oh, it's not available every time, right? So the channel manager keeps that kind of in line. So channel managers that are out there, and I'm going to use the term loosely because some of these, although, yeah, they are called channel managers. Sometimes they, they go by multiple names. PMS is another name, property management software, right? Uh, hospitable is one. Hostfully is another. So hospitable has been rebranded. It used to be called Smart B&B. Guesty is another as well. Owner res is one that we just were speaking about a little bit er earlier. And, uh, and there are more. There are more. So know that Airbnb and short-term rentals are super hot, super tech, sexy. The tech world is on it, guys. The tech world is on it. And there is a, a push for using a ton of tech. And so one of my um, goals is to be lean and agile in our business. So we really are specific about the tech that we use. We're willing to try a lot of things, but we don't want to have like $80 a month worth of tech fees because we implemented, you know, all of the tech because there's a lot of tech out there. So it's something to keep a close eye on because it's easy to accumulate subscriptions to things sometimes, right? So my new year goal is to cut back on some of the subscriptions as well. Which channel manager do you use? Is it a website? Okay. <laughs> Here we go. So Athena, I didn't want to mention the channel manager that I use because I really didn't want to um, throw in a lot of confusion, but I don't really use a channel manager. I use a property management software called Streamline. So that's a whole other conversation. I would not recommend it um, if you're getting started, but if you have um, over 20 properties, then yes, I would recommend it. And it takes two years to onboard, so I wouldn't recommend Streamline. I would recommend something like hospitable to start, something like hostfully, owner res gets a good rap sometimes. Sometimes it gets a bad rap. So hospitable, I've heard a lot of great things about hospitable. I haven't used hospitable. Okay. So I hope that helps. How do you improve winter bookings during off season? Ooh, I love that question. So that goes back to understanding your ideal guest avatar. Is your property, the first question is, is your property in a drive-to market? One big lever that we have leveraged to get our winter bookings up and our direct bookings up is actually retargeting our guests. And that's a little bit of a more of a, I would call it a complex strategy. You're not going to do that off out the gate, but it's really important to collect enough information for your guests, um, from your guests so that you can remind them that you're here, especially during the winter. Um, so the assets that we have in the Poconos, for instance, we can retarget guests in New York, uh, in Connecticut, in New Jersey, and of course, PA. 
So if we have a stretch of three or four days that are vacant, part of our job, part of what we do is to reach out to that guest and say, hey, remember um, how you and Fluffy and Kim and John enjoyed you know, your space here at Luxury Accessory Such Home? Well, we have four days available. Come on over, drive down. And, and get here and get this $100 off coupon uh, to enjoy your stay. So we we really hone in on retargeting our guests. It is a bit more of an, event, an advanced strategy that we utilize, but it has really, really worked wonders and it has kept our occupancy rate quite high. Um, and we're not looking for a 90% occupancy rate or anything like that because of the homes that we we invest in our larger homes. So our sweet spot is at about the 65, 70% occupancy rate. Any higher than that, we tend to see that the product is uh, not as of a higher quality, okay? So understanding your guest avatar, understanding your property avatar, right, uh, is definitely a part of it. Another part of... Um, Marketing to our winter uh, guests is making sure that our listing is showing up in search. So folks are looking, you know, for places to travel uh, throughout the winter season also. So what we do is we uh, turn on our Rank Breeze. We use a tool called Rank Breeze to analyze and see where the property is showing up in search. So if I search for my property, and this is something that we had actually um, spoken about a little while ago with Debbie's property, she has a cabin in the mountains and we were not getting, you know, increase or much traction. So what we did was we turned on Rank Breeze and put in her property and she was on page 17, y'all. Her listing was on page 17. So you can easily go in and, and search for your property, but because of the cookies and because of a few things, even I think in incognito, even looking at incognito, your property is going to probably show up on page one because the the actual tool knows that it's you looking. And so I use a tool called Rank Breeze and I found it to be fairly, fairly effective. And uh, once I saw that it was on page 17, I was like, oh, no wonder you're not getting any bookings during the season. So what we did is that hero picture, that very first picture, we actually created a collage. And when we did that, there was a lot of interest, you know, so people started clicking and um, within 48 hours, she was on page one. And so she was on page one and then the booking started to come in. So pulling the different levers uh, are definitely a great way. I do know that some people uh, will advertise particularly to the snowbirds and give them a deep discount. Of course you can do that. I think that's a, a game of the very, very last resort. You know, you don't want to discount your property all the way down, but definitely whenever you're interacting with your property on Airbnb on the app, it's favorable on you. Airbnb feels as a wow, this is someone who really cares about their property and it will bring it up in search. So having that visibility is one of the levers that you definitely want to be pulling. So I hope that gave you a couple of tips of where to start. Um, definitely tap in if not. Next question. I would love to build a portfolio of short-term rentals. 
Is it best to have most within a certain market location? What is the disadvantage or advantage of having the more spread out? How do you keep track of the various regulations? Oh, that is a wonderful question. It's a loaded question, right? So there are definitely advantages and disadvantages of having short-term rentals spread apart, okay? So the advantage, the biggest advantage I can think of to have short-term rentals spread apart is of course, you can then target the top 1% market. So that's what I like to do. I like to go to the top, top markets and I'll get one here, one there, one here. And my whole worldview, of course, is these are markets that nine times out of 10, I want to eventually travel to. So I'm looking for, you know, a little bit more desirable places, but I'm a sunny beach girl. So more so there, not too many in Vail, Colorado, where you can ski. But ultimately, I would love to have one in each ecosystem. And so, you know, that's one uh, strategy. And the huge advantage there is, for instance, if there is a natural disaster, because there are hurricanes, legit, right? That all your properties aren't going to be down for the count. You can insure against it. I know. But if there's a hurricane and you have three rentals and all three are down, then you're just sitting there like, eh, all three of my properties are down. Or if there's a blizzard and all three are down. You're like, ah, all three of my properties are down. So diversifying, not that, you know, something's, you know, the likelihood of something happening to all three may not be that high, but, you know, if they're all within the same vicinity, that may occur. With that being said, I still would prefer to have them kind of close together because it takes a feat to create a team. It takes time, expertise, trust, so many things go into creating your rock star team. So we have some rock star cleaners. I wish I could just kind of clone them and put them everywhere. But if I have three or four properties that are within the same vicinity, my cleaners are dialed in, my maintenance men are dialed in, like my SOB, my systems are dialed all the way in. So for sure, there are advantages, there are disadvantages. The disadvantage for them to be close together again is um, of course, the natural disasters or if something regulatory occurs, that's going to impact them all. But hopefully we're really diving deep and looking at the regulations beforehand in order to mitigate some of those risks. And, um, and I think, you know, the future is bright for short-term rentals. And here's why. Um, I have seen recent regulations where there is a ban on banning short-term rentals. So there's a ban on banning short-term rentals, meaning the ban says, hey, this is people's private property. They get to do what they want with it. So hopefully that spreads like wildfire, but this is what I do. Uh, we definitely are excited to share this information with those in the space. I hope again, you're inspired. I hope you have some information you can see for yourself what's possible. And I look forward to seeing you. Bye for now.